Well, howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Park of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. I'm Casey Mitchell with Mitchell Cattle Company in Tyler, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Thanks so much for taking time to join us for another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, there are very few drought-free areas here in Texas, according to the latest Drought Monitor. We'll take a look at where those few drought-free areas are coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Looking for crops that require less water. That's a key focus for West Texas A&M in its efforts to strengthen animal agriculture. I'm James Hunt and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. West Texas farmers expecting reduced yields on their irrigated cotton crop and very little, if any, return on the dryland crop. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have more on the drought impact on Texas Ag Today. Well, the state tree of Texas is the pecan. We're going to talk a little bit about the expected pecan crop and how we can make it mature. Please join me, John Begno, as we discuss Texas pecan. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Drought has slowly spread across our state this summer following a wet spring that had most parts of the state in good shape. The latest drought monitor shows the entire state of Texas in some form of drought with only four exceptions. The southern tip of Brewster County is drought-free, and ironically, that's in the desert Big Bend country of Texas. Also, Maverick County along the Rio Grande in the Eagle Pass area is drought-free. The other two counties without drought are in the very northeast corner of the Panhandle. Both Lipscomb and Ockletree counties show no drought on this latest map. West Beale is with Equity Exchange, a grain company that covers those two counties, he says they are in pretty good shape as wheat planting gets underway, but they could still use a good rain right now. Pretty dry on top right now. There's a fair amount of wheat already starting to go in the ground right now that is specifically slated for grazing. Those are acres that'll most likely never make it to harvest. And some of that, producers I've talked to, as long as they go deep enough, they're finding some moisture to be able to get it germinated, but they're having to go pretty deep right now. It would really be a good situation to be able to forecast some rain in for this weekend. From a wheat planting standpoint, getting everything in the ground for grazing right now and to moisture. But a lot of the wheat that's going to get planted for grain harvest 
is going to have a pretty big window between now and when that actually starts, just waiting to get some moisture so we can get it out of the ground. Beal says most of the wheat in that area goes in the ground during October, but he's seen some wheat planted as late as December that's made a decent crop. Weights of market-ready lambs in Texas are declining this year. Texas A&M livestock economist David Anderson says there are a couple of reasons for this. Now, they normally seasonally decline this time of year. Weights tend to go down through the summer. Well, we've got a little bigger than seasonal decline, but almost all year we've been lower than the five-year average, lower than last year. And it highlights some interesting, I think, trends in the industry. One is that lambs are going to market at lighter weights on average. And that highlights that there's a growing market for these lighter weight lambs. And some is related to a big change in terms of moving away from wool breeds for some producers to hair sheep. They don't have to be shorn. They're typically smaller. They typically go to market smaller. What that really means is lighter weights, less lamb production, and I think some higher prices that are starting to happen in the broader market. Anderson says the triple-digit heat and severe drought are definitely taking a toll on lamb weights this year. Looking for crops that require less water is a key focus for West Texas A&M in its efforts to strengthen animal agriculture. James Hunt has that story from Amarillo. A wide variety of research is being conducted by the West Texas A&M Center for Advancing Food Animal Production in the Panhandle. Much of the study and experimentation involves finding ways to make food animal production more water efficient. I talked about this with Dr. Kevin Pond, the Dean of the College of Agriculture and Natural Sciences. Dr. Pond says one example of WT's work is the effort to identify crops that can serve local dairies' needs for silage but require less water to produce. Our irrigation water is going down and we have to find other crops that we can use. You know, grains we can bring in. Uh, We can essentially bring in water through our grains when we bring them in from the Midwest where they've got plenty of water, but silages that are very bulky, we really can't do that. And so it's got to be grown locally. And so those are the things that we're really looking at with a whole variety of new grasses and uh, not using corn. Corn takes too much water. Sorghum is much better, but it takes more water than we'd like to put into it. So we're looking at other alternatives as well. We'll follow up on this research in future reports. Meanwhile, for West Texas A&M and its agriculture programs, this Saturday is a big day. It's time for the annual Ag Day Celebration, which is a major fundraiser for the WT Ag Development Association. Money raised through the auctions at Ag Day goes toward the Ag Department's recruitment efforts and to provide scholarships. Once again, the Ag Day celebration is Saturday beginning at 11 a.m. at the Bain Event Center on campus. You can find out more by searching online with the words WT Ag Day 2023. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. West Texas cotton is suffering in the drought and heat. Tom Nicoletti checks in with a Littlefield area farmer for an update. For today's program, we go to Lamb County in West Texas, and Ricky Yantis is my guest. He uh, farms around the Littlefield area, and cotton uh, this year, Ricky, uh, for you folks, uh, after the drought uh, and the heat uh, set in, has really uh, taken a toll on on your crop. Uh, tell us uh, what it looks like right now is uh, you have uh, about 60% of your cotton is irrigated and 40% is dry land. Yes, sir. It's been a really challenging year. We started off early on too wet, 
that even caused some preventive planting because we couldn't get in the fields before our planting date. And now we haven't had any measurable precipitation since then. So pretty much our irrigated crops are alive and holding on, but we're expecting a huge yield reduction because our bowls are small. Uh, we just don't feel like they'll, they'll mature enough as big as they usually are. So it'll take more bowls to make a pound of cotton. Of course, then you have great concerns as well. As far as the dry land's concerned, I've been quoted as saying it's toast, and it pretty much is. I've never seen cotton die and turn brown like it has this year. The dry land crop especially will not justify any more expense. So people will just wait until the freeze comes, and then we'll harvest it after that. So there's a lot of decisions left to be made that are going to be very challenging to make the right decision and i've not found that person with the crystal ball that can tell us that is ricky yathis he's a cotton farmer in lamb county of west texas i'm tom nicoletti at the texas farm bureau radio network the state tree of texas is the pecan tree san angelo horticulturalist john begno looks at the potential of this year's pecan crop well pecan crop is maturing uh, it's going to do it whether we do anything or not, but there are some things that we should be doing to make sure that the quality of the pecans are as good as they can be. Now, for the 2023 crop estimates from the recent Texas Pecan Growers Association and from the Nut Growers Association, puts our overall United States crop at roughly about 320 million. Well, Texas can contribute this year maybe as much as 38 million as an estimate. That's quite a bit, and it's pretty much in line with what it was last year. But typically, those areas that had a really good crop might not have as much this year. And those that didn't have much, like us in San Angelo, are set up with a very good crop. It's been a real challenging summer. When you have temperatures in the hundreds, it's hard to get pecans to do what they're supposed to do. Usually in late June, July, they begin to size. And if it's exceptionally hot, the pecans might be a little bit smaller than normal. It's kind of hard to get enough water into that tree and moving through the tree to grow on the normal size that you would like. So you might expect a little smaller pecan than you normally get. And now, at this time of year, it's critical that we're filling these pecans. With the exception of the early maturing varieties like Pawnee, which, believe it or not, in the next week to 10 days across Texas, you're going to see some of these varieties like Pawnee begin to shuck, split, and ripen, begin to dry, and it won't be long you'll be cracking them and shelling them. So those that are not maturing this fast are in the process of filling the kernels. So if they're short of water right now, then the nuts will be hollow or shriveled or very poor quality. So don't let them be short on water from now all the way until the pecans split their shucks. And another thing, keep water them as long as their leaves are on and green. That helps to produce food that will help to make the crop for next year. This is John Bagno reporting for Texas Ag Today from San Angelo. There are now dozens of opportunities for Texas youth to learn how to hunt. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more on the Texas Youth Hunting Program coming up on Texas Ag Today. And proud flesh is a major problem in horse lower leg wounds. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
Well, howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. The 2023 Texas Cattle Feeders Association Annual Convention will be here before we know it. TCFA invites you to this year's convention, October 8th through the 10th, at the Gaylord Texan in Grapevine, Texas. The 2023 convention boasts outstanding educational, informative, and networking opportunities. Find more information by visiting www.tcfa.org. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Proud flesh is a major problem in equine lower leg wounds. Dr. Bob Judd says it decreases the healing of the wounds. Preventing and controlling proud flesh on equine lower leg wounds is very difficult. Proud flesh is correctly called exuberant granulation tissue. And granulation tissue is required for healing to occur and to fill in the defect caused by the wound. However, horses develop exuberant or excessive granulation tissue that grows out of the wound beyond the edge of the skin and prevents healing. Many treatments have been used to prevent or treat proud flesh, and some are effective and some are not. If proud flesh has developed, surgical removal is the quickest method to remove the tissue. And although lots of bleeding will occur, proud flesh contains no nerves, so surgical removal of the tissues is not painful to the horse in most cases. After surgical removal, multiple treatments have been used, including topical cortisone, to prevent further proud flesh. There are some very harsh medications that are caustic and actually burn off the proud flesh chemically. But these should not be used, in my opinion, as healthy tissue is also killed. It is debatable whether to bandage or not, as some say the reduced oxygen to the wound causes proud flesh, while others believe the pressure of the wrap helps prevent it. Anything that irritates the wound, including even hydrotherapy, will stimulate proud flesh. A recent study looked at a new product called Zeracil Cream that contains amorphous silicate and was applied to wounds every one to three days, and some wounds were wrapped and others were not. On average, wounds healed in 49 days, and all owners were satisfied with the product. So the next time your horse develops a lower leg laceration, ask your veterinarian about Zeracil Cream. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There are now dozens of opportunities for Texas youth to learn how to hunt. Jessica Domel has more on the Texas Youth Hunting Program. Texas youth still have the opportunity to sign up for an engaging and educational introductory hunting experience through the Texas Youth Hunting Program. Over the past few weeks, TYHP has added dozens of hunts to the lineup for the fall hunting season. Chris Mitchell, TYHP director, joins us with more. The Texas Youth Hunting Program is designed to get young people 9 to 17 years old outdoors. It's an extension of the hunter education program in that we require every participant to complete hunter education in order to go on one of our events. They come with a parent. There are youth hunts for deer, hogs, javelina, alligator, elk, waterfowl, and exotic species across Texas. Youth are invited to apply for the hunts they may be interested in, and TYHP will select hunters 30 days before the hunt begins. Most hunts begin on a Friday with registration, setting up lodging, equipment testing, and a safety briefing. Then on Saturday, there's an opportunity to hunt. Our volunteers will 
teach people how to field dress, skin, and quarter whatever it is that they have harvested, whether that's a white-tailed deer, a feral hog, a pronghorn antelope, whatever it is. We teach them how to take care of that meat responsibly so that it doesn't go to waste. There's another opportunity to hunt Sunday before hunters and their parent or adult hit the road to return home. Youth may apply on the TYHP website. That's T-Y-H-P dot O-R-G. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. The cattle market has climbed back into record territory. We'll take a look at all the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Howdy neighbors, Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Park of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. The 2023 Texas Cattle Feeders Association Annual Convention will be here before we know it. TCFA invites you to this year's convention, October 8th through the 10th, at the Gaylord Texan in Grapevine, Texas. The 2023 convention boasts outstanding educational, informative, and networking opportunities. Find more information by visiting www.tcfa.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle futures market has been on an uptrend this week, moving it back into record territory. In fact, the nearby October contract is now at the highest level for a spot contract in history. It closed up 95 cents Thursday, 183.65. The December up a dollar, 187.50, while February live cattle were up a dollar too, 191.40. Same story in the feeder cattle market. Big jump on Thursday, September feeders up 242 at 255.57. October feeder cattle up 240, 258.87, while November feeders were up 207 at 260.27. Cash fed cattle market seeing some trade at midweek. So far, we've seen cattle sell in the northern plains. 183 to 186 on a live basis, 288 to 290 dressed. Also seeing some cattle sold in Kansas at 179. Boxed beef prices lower Thursday. Choice down 265 at 310.92. Select down $1.13 at 286.48. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Henry Pickett, Abilene Livestock, sells them every Tuesday. Henry, how was this Labor Day week sale? Oh, it's pretty good. Ended up being a little short coming out of the Labor Day holiday. I guess people are still traveling, coming back home, but we ended up with a little under 600 total cattle with about 75 cows. The We didn't have a whole lot of good, cow, uh, good cows to test the market, but the few that we had, uh, young pairs bring 18.50. Young bred cattle bring 14, 1500. Packer cows, they were a little softer, two to three dollars. Packer bulls seemed to be holding steady, about twenty to dollar thirty-five somewhere in there. Uh, the good calves still bringing good money, but there everything's getting a little softer. It's getting awful dry, and this hot weather's 
playing a toll on what feed we had left and a lot of the groundwater that we have in this area is get going away so that's playing a over overall i think that's playing a hole on this market well we'll touch base with you before the next sale in the meantime if folks have cattle they want to bring or talk to you about anything else how they get a hold of you here at the barn we can be reached at 325-673-7865 or my cell number is 940-733-8208 thank you henry we appreciate you thank you bye-bye Neighbor looks to me like that's all the time we've got for this edition of Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Thanks to Henry Pickett from Abilene Livestock. Remember, folks, they sell every Tuesday there at Abilene Livestock Auction. Thank you, too, for listening to Walking the Pins. You're doing so right now on Texas Ag Today. Now back over to the futures market where lean hogs closed higher on Thursday. October contract up 95 cents at 82.82. December hogs up 82 cents, 75.27. Class 3 milk was higher. Nearby September milk up 11 cents, 18.62 a hundredweight, while October milk was up 21 at 19.16 a hundred. Cotton market got hit hard this week. Another day of sharply lower trade on Thursday. Poor Chinese demand has been a big factor in pressuring the market this week. October cotton down 238 points at 83.62. December down 162 points, 85.38. March cotton down 154 at 85.56. A mostly quiet corn market on Thursday, not much direction. September corn down three quarters, 470 and three quarters. December corn up a half, 486 and a quarter, while March corn was unchanged at an even $5 a bushel. Wheat market gave up half of the gains that we saw on Wednesday. A higher U.S. dollar and fund selling, both pressuring the wheat market lower. December Kansas City wheat down 12 and a half at 7.37 a bushel. December Chicago wheat down nine and a quarter, 5.99 and three quarters. In the energy markets, October natural gas was up seven cents, 2.58. October West Texas crude down 58 cents at 86.96 a barrel. The financial markets were mixed Thursday afternoon. The Dow up 57 points, 34,501. The Nasdaq down 118 at 13,754. The S&P down 14 at 4,451. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.